Good morning. That was kind of feeble, really. Good morning. Good morning. Right. If you fall asleep or feeling sleepy, just look at my shirt. Wake you right up. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Our series is entitled, Walk with Christ. Walk with Christ. And I called it that because the book talks a lot about that. And it, it is an amazing thing, if you, if you really just think about it, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one through whom... God made the entire universe and everything in it. The one who is absolutely preeminent, absolutely supreme over everything else. The most important person ever. This one has invited you. You. Every one of you and me to walk with him. To experience an everyday journey with him. That is just so amazing. It is so amazing, and so we are exploring, what what does that mean? What does that look like? How do you you live out, how do you experience an everyday journey with the Lord of the universe? Uh, Speaking of which, by the way, out in the lobby today, there are a bunch of these little magnets with our uh, theme graphic, Walk with Christ. Um, Ann Grant, Ann, are you here today? What? Oh, okay. So, Anne, uh, if you haven't met Anne, she, she made a bunch of these, and they're out there in the lobby, and just help yourself. You know, put it on your fridge or anything else it'll stick to as a reminder of that everyday journey with Christ. Tell Anne thanks. Um, so, today I want to talk about the need we have for encouragement on this journey with Jesus. Because the, the road that he, he invites us to walk on, where he's our guide and he's our companion, this road is not an easy road. It's a good road. It's, it's the best road. It's the right road. It is the only road that leads us to the destination we really want to get to. But it's not an easy road. Uh, at times it, it feels very steep. Or we encounter obstacles. We encounter rough terrain. Uh, sometimes it gets very dark and very scary on this journey with Christ. And we might wonder, is he still with me? And sometimes it just feels long. Just long. You know, we, we want to get there. You may feel like a kid in the back of a car going, are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we almost there yet? And we want to feel like we're just making good progress, that, that something, that we're getting there, and, and the road just keeps going, and it just feels so long. And it's at times like that that we need encouragement. We need encouragement. I remember when I was... Uh, 
well, quite a bit younger, uh, taking a few backpacking trips, you know, deep into the mountains, miles into the wilderness. And, you know, every time I set out on one of those trips, I was just, I had a lot of enthusiasm. I was really excited about this. This was going to be great. And inevitably, at some point, my attitude changed. And it was usually when I was on one of those really steep switchbacks going up the side of a mountain somewhere, and it was still miles and miles from the destination, and I'd begin to wonder, what was I thinking in agreeing to go on this hike, this death march? (laughs) And why did I bring so much stuff? Because this pack is really, really heavy. And who thought it was a good idea to put this trail up the side of a mountain? (laughs) So I got got weary, and I needed encouragement. You know, I needed somebody just to say, hey, come on, keep going. We're going to have a break soon. It's beautiful up ahead. The fishing is going to be awesome. Or I, or I just needed somebody to say, hey, eat some trail mix, okay? It's got M&Ms in it. It's really good. Just shut up and eat some trail mix. And if I just kept going, if I just kept going, I'd get there. And it was always worth it. It was always worth it. And the point is, when you're on a long journey and a sometimes very difficult journey, you're going to need encouragement along the way to keep going. And that is especially true of this journey with Jesus. And the Bible tells us we need encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it tells us, encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. Do you know we need daily encouragement? Daily encouragement. We see it in Hebrews. We're going to see it here in Colossians also. Um, Let me give you a little background to sort of set the table for what we're going to read. The Apostle Paul wrote this book, Colossians. It's a letter that he wrote to a group of believers in Jesus in a town called Colossae. And he had never met these people personally. But he'd heard about them. He'd heard that they had responded positively to the good news, the gospel of Jesus, and they had begun to walk with Christ. And so uh, he's writing to them, and he'd heard that, you know, they had some struggles, they had some uh, obstacles, some difficulties to deal with, as, as we all do. And so uh, Paul wrote to them to help them understand better who it is that they're really walking with, who Jesus really is, and and how to live out this daily journey with him. Okay, so we're going to pick it up in chapter 1. We're down near the end of the chapter now, picking it up at verse 24, reading down through chapter 2, verse 2. And Paul writes this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now, I should probably just interrupt right there and say, when Paul talks about what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, he's not talking about what Jesus accomplished on the cross, okay? Because Paul makes it very clear, there's nothing lacking. Uh, When Jesus died for us, he 
uh, completely accomplished everything that needed to happen for us to be made right with God, for us to be forgiven. There's no way you can add to that. This idea of what's lacking in Christ's afflictions are just talking about the sufferings that he's experiencing as a messenger of the gospel, of the good news, because Jesus said that as we go out and we share the gospel, that we are going to suffer. We are going to experience hardship. And he's talking about what remains of that affliction, what remains, uh, what's lacking, because Jesus takes the suffering of his people as they're engaged in his mission very seriously. So that's what he means. Not afflictions to accomplish salvation, but to spread salvation. So, uh, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, okay, people who aren't Jewish, are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. Look at what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 2, that he wants his readers' hearts to be encouraged. That's one of the main reasons why he wrote this letter, to encourage the hearts of his readers. And it's why he wrote this part of the letter in particular. There are truths here to encourage the weariest of hearts. Now, you may not have absorbed them as we went through, because when Paul writes, man, he packs those truths in pretty tight. And so we need to unpack some of them. But there, there are very encouraging truths here for weary hearts. Are any of you weary today? Any of you weary? Does, it, does the journey feel long does it feel difficult today? Maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know, as Pastor Rick Warren has said, and I agree with him, when it comes to difficulties, when it comes to hard times, you're either in one, or you've just come out of one, or you're about to go in one. And don't be discouraged by that. Don't be discouraged by that. Just realize that on this journey there are times when you're going to need encouragement. And so I just want to encourage you to take these things to heart and be ready to remind yourself of them or to remind someone else who needs encouragement. All right, so I'm going to give you some encouraging words for weary walkers. Encouraging words for weary walkers. Here's the first. Be encouraged because others have suffered for you to succeed. 
Others have suffered for you to succeed. Does that sound kind of weird? I I don't know if it struck you this way, but I know when I first read verse 24 where Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. I thought, that sounds really strange. Paul's rejoicing in his sufferings for them? And then in verse 29, he talks about toiling. It's a very strong word for hard labor. He's toiling and he's struggling. And in chapter 2, he talks about how great a struggle he has for the Colossians and the Laodiceans. It's another, another church nearby. And, and all these other believers he's never met personally. And he's telling them about his toil and his struggle so they'll be encouraged. And I'm thinking, how does that work? How does that work? He, it seems like telling people that you're suffering for them might make them feel guilty, not necessarily feel encouraged. But clearly, Paul didn't see it that way. And you know something? Jesus didn't see it that way either. Jesus suffered far more than anyone else ever did, anyone else ever could. And he wants us to know it. And he wants that truth to encourage us. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us look at that christ suffered as a demonstration as a proof of what of god's love we need to know that christ suffered so that we know god loves us i can't think of anything more encouraging than to know that god loves you god loves you And I I think that's what's going on here. I think Paul is telling these people, I want you guys to know, I really love you. I really love you. I'm working hard to help you. I'm willing to be persecuted. I'm willing to go to jail if that's what it takes to help you know Christ and experience His love and His forgiveness, and and walk with Him, and experience eternal joy. I want you to succeed, and I will gladly suffer for you if that's what it takes. That's what love does. I mean, if you love somebody, you know this, right? You know this. You know that if you really love someone, you would willingly suffer some kind of loss if that's what it would take to really help them. And the greater your love, the greater the loss that you'd be willing to experience. Jesus said, John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. That's what love does. There are, there are many people, there are many people who have suffered and even given up their lives so that you and I could know the truth. So you and I could have the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And I'm not just talking about missionaries. I'm not just talking about the apostles. I'm talking about guys like William Tyndale. Do you know who Tyndale was? Tyndale was a man who lived at a time when English-speaking people, the only Bible they had access to was written in Latin. 
Well, that's great if you're, you know, really educated and can understand Latin, but most people couldn't. And Tyndale thought it was very important, it was critical that English-speaking people could have a Bible in a language that they could actually understand in English. And he labored to translate the Bible in English, and for that labor, he was executed. He was put to death, so you could have the Bible in English. And he's not the only one. Tyndale was a man like the Apostle Paul. He knew what really mattered in life, and he was willing to suffer so that others could have the truth. It takes suffering sometimes to really love people, to really help them. Now, it's not often, at least in our context, where somebody actually has to give up his or her life to help someone they love. At least not here. It is happening in places like Nigeria and Somalia and Iran and Pakistan, India. But you know something? Even if no one's ever actually given up his or her life for you, if you think about it, if you take time and think about it, you will realize that there are people in your life who give up something to love you. There are people like that in this church. They're some of my heroes. They really are. I think of our elders. I think of our elders. I think of the time and the energy that they give to pray for you and to labor and to think and to seek God's face that this church might go in the direction he wants it to go so that all of you can become what God wants you to become. I think of those who volunteer and give up much time and energy to care for our babies and to instruct our children and to mentor our teens and teach our adults And there are many other people like that in your life and in my life. There are people who willingly give of themselves so that we will succeed. They don't do it because they have to. They don't do it because they're paid to do it. They do it because they love Jesus and they love you. Now, should you feel guilty about that? No. No. Feel loved and be encouraged. Be encouraged. I think it would be a good idea to let them know once in a while that you appreciate their sacrifice. And then there's this. Be willing to do the same to help others. And that's not a call. That's not a call to be sad. That's not a call to be uh, miserable. That's a call to experience the love and the joy that God intends for us. Because the Bible teaches that suffering for others to help them know Christ and follow him is a great privilege. 1 Peter 4.13 But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Be encouraged that others have suffered so that you will succeed. Another encouraging word. You are a member of Christ's body. You're a member of Christ's body. That's what verse 24 says about you if you are a believer in Jesus. 
It's what it means to be a part of his church. That, that means a, his people. Okay, church is not a place. Church is not a building. Church is not a program. Church is people. Jesus' people. Now, if you're familiar at all with the Bible, you've probably heard this before. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, written to Christians, says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So you may have heard this before. I know I've heard it before. But think about it. Take time to really think about this. You are part of Christ's body. Think about the implications of that. Now, I know it's a metaphor. It's a figure of speech because we're not actually the physical body of Jesus. But think about it. What is he trying to tell us in calling us his body? What does he want us to feel? What does he want us to think? Think about your body. How important it is, is it to you? It's pretty important, right? Now, he's the head of the body. That means he gets to call the shots. That's one important implication of us being Christ's body. Another one is he does his work through us. You realize how significant that is? Christ does his work through us, through his people. And here's another huge implication. Whatever happens to you, Jesus takes that personally. He takes it personally. You know, Paul learned this lesson himself back before he was a Christian, back when he was called Saul, and he hated Christians. He hated this message, this gospel. And so he was determined to stamp it out, and he was going around persecuting Christians. He helped put at least one of them to death. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. You know what he said? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Look at that. He didn't say, why are you persecuting Christians? Why are you persecuting my people? Why are you persecuting me? He took it very personally. That's just, you know, I'm sure Saul's, well, the first thing Saul says is, who are you? He's like, I don't, I don't know you. I haven't been persecuting you. I've just been persecuting Christians. And to Jesus, it's all the same. Yeah, I was thinking about this. You know, if somebody comes up to me and punches me in the nose, I'm going to take that personally. And if they say to me, hey, I didn't punch you. I just punched your nose. <laughs> but it's my nose. And it belongs to me. You punch my nose, you punch me. Jesus says, you mess with my people, you mess with me. He takes it personally. Be encouraged by that. He knows what you're going through. He knows what's going on. And he cares very much. Be encouraged. You're part of his body. Third encouraging word. If you're a believer in Jesus, God has told you amazing things. Amazing things. Verse 26. Paul talks about the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Now, you have to know this. Saints are not some superior class of, you know, extra special believers. 
Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ, anyone who responds to his gospel, puts their trust in him, becomes right with God because of Jesus' death and resurrection, not because of any merit of their own. Anyone who does that is a saint. And the point is, if you're a saint, then God has revealed to you, you know things you know things, or you can know things, that you could never figure out on your own. Things that were not even fully known before Jesus came. See, that's what the word mystery means. It's not a whodunit. It's not a puzzle. It's a truth that used to be hidden, not fully understood or explained until Jesus came. It's truth that we now know because Jesus came and he lived among us and he taught us and he died and he rose again for us and he chose apostles and prophets to write his message down. God has told you things that are absolutely amazing and you can know them if you will make the effort. Here's some of them. You can know what God is really like. You can know who he really is. John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from God, full of grace and truth. You can know God and know who he really is. You can know who you really are. You can know why you exist. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder why you're here. You don't have to wonder what your purpose is. You can know. You can know true forgiveness. You can know being completely accepted by the one whose acceptance really matters, God himself. You can know that. You can know how to have eternal life. You can know how to experience ultimate joy forever. You can know what your future is going to be. You can know how to really love people. You can know how your life can actually count, how it can make a difference forever. You can know how to be a good husband. You can know how to be a good wife. You can know how to be a good kid. You can know so much good stuff because God has told you. That's encouraging. Be encouraged by that. Be encouraged how much you can know because God has revealed it to you. Amazing, amazing stuff. Another encouraging word. I think the most encouraging word of all. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. This is so this is so staggering. This is so amazing. This is so incredible. I I really I feel like I hardly even know how to talk about it and do this justice. Honestly. Notice the phrase in verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the main truth, the the main mystery, the central truth that was not revealed until Jesus came. And this is what it is. That all people, anybody, Jewish, non-Jewish, Jew and Gentile, Everyone can not only know the truth about God, but every person 
can actually experience a relationship with God through this, through Christ, through the Son of God actually coming into their lives and indwelling them. If you belong to Jesus, if you have genuinely put your trust in Him, put your hope in Him, to rescue you from life without God and give you life with God, then Jesus is in you. His Holy Spirit actually indwells your life. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Romans 8.9 You, however are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit of Christ. Think about this. Think about it. Christ in you. The Holy Spirit in you. Jesus in you. I can tell by the look on your face. Some of you are saying, I don't understand that. No kidding. No kidding. I don't understand it either. I don't believe it because I understand it. I believe it because the Bible teaches it. God has said it. But it's awesome. It's so awesome. You realize what this means? This means that you can actually do whatever God wants you to do. You don't ever have to say, well, I can't can't do what God wants me to do. Yes, you can. God's in you. Christ is in you. It also means you are never alone. Ever. There never comes a time on the journey, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how hopeless it feels, you're never alone. You're never without God. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you because He is in you. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Last one. Be encouraged by this. Your future is certain, and it's awesome. Your future is certain, and it's awesome. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, hope here does not mean, gee, I hope it happens. Hope here means, a better word would be expectation. I have hope because of what I know is coming. I have hope. Expectation, anticipation. How do I know it's coming? Because Christ is in me. And he made promises, and he will keep every single one of his promises. What's he going to make happen? (laughs) I love this word. Glory. 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 Yeah, let's do it. What does that mean? Splendor, majesty, beauty, totally blow you away awesomeness every wrong made right think of that every right made as good as it could possibly be made the happiest you have ever been the greatest happiness you have ever known times like a million or or more i'm sure it's more I can't explain it. I can only 
I can only say it's what you're truly longing for. You know those times when you're just kind of pierced with longing for something? You, you don't even know what you're longing for, but you long for the fullest, deepest joy. You long for it. And you don't experience it in this world. This is what you're longing for. You're longing for glory. You're longing for glory. It's what the poet says in Psalm 1611 when he says to God, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The other day when I was working on this and thinking about it, I decided to walk home for lunch. I only live half a mile down the road. And it was a beautiful day. It was glorious. The sun was out. The sky was blue. (laughs) And the birds were singing their little hearts out. And the air, you know, was just a little bit crisp, but but the sun was warm on my face and on my back. And it made me so happy. And I thought to myself, you know what this is? This is just a taste, just a little taste of what I'm going to experience when I get to the end of my journey. I'm not talking about my house. I'm talking about... (laughs) where I'm really going. I'm on a journey. I'm on my way to a destination where every day is going to be better than this. Glory. It's going to be so awesome. You say, how how can I know that? You can know it if Christ is in you. Because Christ is in me, I have His promise. He keeps His promise. He is going to keep it. It's a sure thing. And it is very, very encouraging to know. Well, these are just some of the encouraging words you can grab hold of the next time the journey feels long and difficult. There are many more. There are many more. So learn them. Learn them so you can remind yourself of them. And even more important, I would say this. Get connected to people who can remind you of these things when you are so discouraged you can't do it for yourself. That is so important. You know, the verse in Hebrews we looked at? Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Because those times come. I had one just earlier this week. I've been a Christian since I was 15. I've been a Christian a long time. I know this stuff. And I was discouraged. It felt hopeless to me. And I needed some encouragement. I needed someone to say, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, keep going. It's going to be worth it. You're going to have those times when you're so discouraged you can't encourage yourself. You need others to do it. Build those relationships. Invest in those relationships. That's why we have groups. That's why we have small groups. We've got to build those relationships so that people can speak to us. And when you have the opportunity to do that, can I just say this? Please be sensitive. People who are discouraged don't need lectures. (laughs) You know, I don't know why we do this. Someone's all discouraged and we tell them, 
You shouldn't feel that way. I know. I know that. But I do feel that way. Don't tell me I shouldn't feel that way. I know it. Tell me something encouraging. Tell me some truth. Sensitively. Pray. That's probably the most important thing you can do for somebody who's discouraged. Pray for them. And pray that the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to speak encouraging words. That's why God gave them to us. Because the journey is very long and at times it's very hard. Grab onto those encouraging truths. Believe them. Hold on to them and share them. Let's pray together. Father, you are so awesome. You are so good. You are so kind. Uh, Lord, we have messed up our lives and our world in ways that are just unbelievable sometimes. The stuff that gets promoted today in the name of love and Valentine's Day, it, and it's, it's just, it hurts. It hurts people. It ruins people. And we just are living in a world filled with lies. And Lord, into this world of lies, you have come. Lord Jesus, you have come. You have come to give us life. You have come to give us abundant life and joy, to give us hope. You have want to lead us on a journey to the Father's house. And to keep us going, you have spoke very encouraging truths. Lord, help us understand them, help us believe them, help us hold on to them, and help us encourage one another with them. We need that, and we thank you. Guide us by your Spirit to be encouraging people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.